This is Reflections of the Lighthouse, a podcast sharing the hope of the gospel for those struggling with life-altering addictions. If you'd like more information about the Lighthouse and the services they provide, visit biblicallliferecoverycenter.com. And now, here are your hosts, Brandon Bauer and Dwayne Modlin. Welcome to Reflections of the Lighthouse. Uh, today we're going to talk about communicating biblically. Now, we run a 28-bed men's biblical residential program. We do biblical counseling in our community. We've got 32 staff members. We've got hundreds of volunteers and, and community members. And if we don't communicate well, chaos happens. Yes. And there is a, there is a lot of truth in, to, in how to communicate biblically. And we're going to talk through that today. But I wanted to start with a thought that your words have great power to build up or to tear down. Mm-hmm. And we see this in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. So Dwayne, how do you use biblical communication in your care for the residents in the community? Uh, one of the ways I uh, approach this is we read in John chapter 1 that Jesus was full of grace and truth. One thing I've learned in communication uh, with people who are hurting, people going through things, if, if we present just grace with no truth, we, we present uh, an idea that they could just do anything they want to, live any way they want to, and that's not biblical. It, but if we just present the truth to them with without being seasoned with grace, it's more than they can bear. Uh, It's a weight that they can't bear. It's like telling somebody you're a sinner, but then not bringing in the gospel behind that, the grace uh, that solves the issue there. Especially in today's world, we have a, a word battle going on. Yes. Words have so many meetings. Words have so many twisted thoughts. One way of saying something will will rally some troops and it will rally opponents as well. And, yes. and, and words have been armed and we have to be careful. Uh, yeah, we do. I, and we can even take this into... Um, even within Christian denominations, we may use one word one way theologically, but it may mean something completely different to them. And learning how to communicate in a way they understand where they're coming from, uh, I, th- I think is important as well. Yeah, Proverbs twelve eighteen says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I've learned as I've gotten older is old, old yep, is, is to to use the phrase, let me process that a little bit. Yes. Because I have the tendency to think I know all the answers. Yes. And try to instruct people why why these answers are right. And I've mm-hmm. realized that that words misused can cause more harm than good. So just buying myself some time with the mm-hmm. phrase, let me think about that or let me process that gives me some chance to to work through all that so that I can be more wise in my answers. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's healthy. Yeah. Um, some of my training in apologetics, sometimes you get argumentative 
with apologetics, which isn't the heart of apologetics biblically, but it, it can it can happen. I, I remember having some conversations with some Muslims that I was uh, building friendships with, and one of the conversations got really, really heated. And I stopped the conversation and said, you're more important than me winning an argument. I, I think our words... Uh, can either divide a relationship or build a relationship. And then when those topics came up later, it, this guy knew that we were discussing these things and I was challenging some of the way he thinks, not because I wanted to be right, but because I loved him. Yeah. Well, God calls us to love people. Yes. And the way that we speak to people often shows that we're not loving them. Yes. So I think that's really important. So uh, the, the first step of being a biblical communicator is to be a good listener. Yeah. That's hard. Yes. Uh, Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers before listening brings folly and shame. Yeah. That's super important, though, also in, in counseling and yes. in working with our guys. So let's talk through what does it mean to be a good listener. Uh, in the counseling aspect, sometimes we go into it thinking we're the expert. We have this expert uh, mentality when they really do need to use their words to explain what's going on in their life, and we need to let them communicate. We need to let them explain what they're going through before we ever offer any wisdom, any biblical wisdom, and let them parse out some of their emotions and some of their struggles with their words. If we're constantly interrupting them, we don't, we can't figure out what's really going on in their lives and they can't process what's going on in their lives. So being a good listener helps them process and it helps us process to be able to eventually offer some biblical wisdom. But one of the things we need to realize is that we're broken and we can't fix us, so how in the world am I going to fix them? Right, for sure. So one of the things, so so you and I had a pastor that that we sat under for a while. His name was Brad. Yes. And one of the things that Brad did really well. Now Brad was a little bit of an introvert. He 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 struggled with personal communication, but but I saw Brad grow, and I saw him ask good questions. Yes. And Brad became a master of asking questions so we could hear yes. people's hearts. Now, um, I've learned a lot from that. I, I watched Brad and, and I love Brad deeply, but it's interesting when you ask multiple, multiple questions to someone and then repeat those questions, you get different answers. Yes. And part of communicating biblically is to it's data gathering. It's it's yes. trying to figure out what's really going on, because the first time they chat with you, they they may not quite trust you. Yes. And then you start building relationships. So if you continue to ask the same questions over a period of time, you'll slowly get to the root yes. of what's going on. So I think being a good listener is so important, especially for a counselor. Yes. But for a believer, a friend. Uh, brother and sister in Christ. Absolutely. That's how we, we love and minister to people. Well, really, everybody's called to be a counselor uh, if you're a Christian, because counseling fits in the concept of discipleship, and everybody's called to make disciples. 
And to make a disciple, you have to listen to where that person is in their journey with Christ. Because if you don't, you're going to start them in a place where they are not at yet. So we have to be good listeners. I remember in counseling training school, I was assigned to an intern, yes. which was an upperclassman. Yeah. And she was supposed to, you know, counsel with me. You know, I'm this I'm this freshman coming into to counseling school and I think I've got it all going on. And <laughs> within like twenty minutes she had me bawling like a baby. But but this is the question she asked me. She said, Brandon, who hears you? And I and I couldn't answer that. And she said, I want to hear you. Mm. I want to know what's That's going big. on. And I had never had that before. And just the the weight of emotion, I mean, someone actually wants to listen to me and care for me. It was just overwhelming. I had never experienced that. So I think being a good listener deeply shows that we care for others. I think Jesus was a really good listener. And we talk about the question issue. If you see Jesus's interaction with his disciples, Jesus is consistently asking good questions to his disciples to figure out where they are. Yes, he's teaching them. He's doing those things. But he's making sure they're understanding what he's saying. Another part of being a good listener is listening to rebuke and evaluating it. Now, no one wants to be rebuked or corrected, right? But we all need it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we get angry or puffed up when someone tries to tell us what's going on. But Proverbs 15.31 says, He who listens to life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. Now, I also understand that there's people who are going to rebuke you out of self-gain self and, and, and hatred and all of those things. And they're no, just critical people. They're just critical people. We're talking about life-giving yes. rebuke. And as, as fallen human beings who, who, who need direction and support, those people who are speaking truth into our lives need to be listened to. Yes. And we need to evaluate what they're saying. Uh, it I don't think every criticism, every rebuke is correct. correct. It's not always correct. So, But we do need to at least listen, evaluate, look at our hearts, look at our motives, look at how, how we're responding to things to see if that rebuke is correct. And if it's correct, make it right. For sure. This gives us an opportunity to to model confession yes. and repentance and restoration. If if we are truly followers of Christ, we're going to listen to the rebuke, mm -hmm. evaluate it. That doesn't mean you have to answer right now. No. And then do something about it, whether whether continue the conversation mm -hmm. or or confess, repent and turn. I think it's an important part of communicating biblically that sometimes gets overlooked. Yeah, um, we are not always right. We are wrong. Sometimes we put blinders up in our own lives, uh, and we don't see what's going on in our hearts and our lives. Uh, and we need somebody that's that's look that's outside looking in 
to bring some correction, to bring some grace, to, but to bring that truth as well. If we're going to grow as a believer, then we have to listen to these rebukes. Agreed totally. Now, something that we don't talk about a lot is, is confessing our sinful listening habits. And I, I, I will say that that's not something that's always on my mind. Yeah. Sometimes we get so focused on what we're supposed to be doing, our work, our the environment around us. I've got to get this paper in or that grant in, or that that we're not listening to people. Mm-hmm. And you know, God loves people more than He loves papers and grants. Yes. And all of those things. Those are important. But when we are ignoring people to do busy work. Mm-hmm. I think there can be some sin involved. Absolutely. And I think this is where a lot of people in ministry struggle. Uh, we think we're doing something for the Lord, and, and that's enough. But are, the question has to be asked, am I doing it for the right reason? Is it for the people? Uh, because if it's for the people, I'm going to listen to the people. I'm going to listen to their hearts, what they're going through, what they're struggling with, and and I'm going to genuinely care. Uh, Sometimes we hear what people are saying, but we don't listen to what people say. Um, I, I don't know about you, Brandon, but there's times I've got a million things on my mind, and somebody comes in the office and they want to talk, and my mind is on a million different things. I hear what they're saying, but my mind is not engaged in listening to what they say. And I think we need to repent over that and remember that Christ is people, is about people. Yeah. So I sometimes have the bad um, tendency of when someone's talking to to read emails. And, and, and so, so one of the best things that I've started doing is when someone walks in, I will shut my laptop yeah. so that distraction is not staring me in the Absolutely. face so that I can focus on that's that. Just, yeah, that's a good practical way to do that. Ungodly communication is often a sign of deeper sin. Yeah. So Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we all, most of us listening today will know the saying, hurt people, hurt people, yeah. right? Uh, and sometimes pe- the way people are communicating with us, it, it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with a deeper issue in their heart that needs to be dealt with. And we need to listen to what's behind those words, not just to the words. But then there's times where we're hurt and we're communicating in a way that isn't godly. Maybe we're responding critically. Maybe we're responding hatefully uh, with our words. Um, And sometimes people get really passive aggressive with their words. I've struggled with that through my life. You don't call the issue out. You just start passive aggressiveness dealing with the issue. Kind of circling the issue, getting yes. people on your bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's an issue I've struggled with at times in my life. So 
and I, I think we have to be careful and we have to look at our own hearts and our motivations in the communication as well. Here, here comes the grace and the truth. Somebody's communicating in a way that is unbiblical to us. We need to remember that we've done the same thing to others. And we need to have grace in that moment and to listen to the heart intent behind the words and get to the root of the issue and then speak truth in those areas. Being an example to the believer. Yes, yep. absolutely. Um, I mean, the, tr- the truth resounds when, when Matthew in, in the gospel writes, for out of the mouth speaks that which fills the heart. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's not what goes in the man that defiles him. It's what comes out. And we can see the the heart through the mouth sometimes. And sometimes there's issues underneath what we're seeing that's causing, that explains that unbiblical uh, communication. And we need to understand that in our own lives, too, that there can be deeper issues going on in play there that's causing us to communicate unbiblically. Sure. And I, and I think the first step towards healing is to submit to God's sovereign control yes. over these areas of our life. So when I find myself being defensive, mm-hmm. is that is that a godly behavior? When I find myself trying to deceive other people yeah. with my words, when I gossip or slander or I'm judgmental or I compare myself to others or I brag or I control situations, those are all sinful ways of not submitting to God's care over us. And that's where that repentance piece comes in. And as I identify the struggles that I have with my sinful communications, yeah. I can confess, repent, and make changes in my life. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things that, that I think that the church has taught people is, oh, just tell God you're sorry, and then you can go do it again. We don't have to change as long as you're sorry for it. I, th- I think John tells us uh, not so uh, in First John, uh, especially chapter three, that if your motivation is that you can just say sorry, but you have no willingness to change, uh, you need to question whether your heart belongs to God or not. Another aspect of our uh, communication that sometimes is off is our abusive language or our vulgar language. Now, I think this can be taken too far as well. I, I, my mom had a list of slang words that she identified as swear words that weren't really swear words. And yeah. We got in trouble if we said them. You know, gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could, I, could, I could maybe loosely attach that to, to some things. But we're talking about purposefully abusive language. Yes. A controlling language. We're talking about vulgar nastiness. I, I have a friend who is a so-called Christian counselor. Yeah. And she says that in her sessions, she wants to relate to those she's counseling. So she will, she will talk, um, she will swear, she'll cuss, she'll talk raunchy, just so she can be on the same level with them. Is that biblical? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that's what Paul meant when he says, I become all things to all people that I may win some. I don't think he compromises the Holy Spirit's work in his life to reach someone. Right. Colossians 3.8 says, but now you must rid yourself of these things, 
anger, slander, malice, rage, and filthy language. It is not, it is not a biblical thing to be a vulgar person, even if it's too, even with its maybe attached to a good heart motive. Yeah. We cannot, we cannot step to that level. No, I, when I first came to Christ, I struggled with my mouth. Uh, that was one of the big mouth. Amen. That was one of the areas I really, really struggled with was how I communicated. I remember going into the uh, rehab that I went into, the Christian rehab I went into, and I cussed every single leader out that first day. And uh, they they had me memorize Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Uh, and then they didn't want me to speak for a whole day. Can I do that? No. <laughs> um, but I still remember that moment, and I still remember that text. And it was life-changing for me. Did I still struggle? Yeah, but that text was rolling around my mind. That's the first scripture I ever memorized, hmm. Brandon. And, and I was so thankful that I have brothers in Christ that said, this, th- this isn't can't be tolerated you know they love me enough to call that out right no i understand um i also don't want to to stand with unbelievers and judge them for things that my repentant heart is is um convicted about well one one thing i can't do is expect a non-believer to live like a believer but i do expect a believer to live like a believer and god has called me called each other to hold each other accountable to submit one to another sure and i need to submit to correction from brothers and sisters in christ and it's really just about responding gently with love yes you know, whether it's a believer or an unbeliever, I remember sitting in Sarah's family restaurant with my middle son, Sawyer, and we're sitting there getting a breakfast, father-son time. You know, I had this this grandiose thought of, this is going to be amazing. I'm spending time with my son. And we sat next, down next to this family that every other word out of their mouth was a four-letter word. Yeah. And I just start cringing. And, and gently I say, you know, I'm with my son here. Can we tone down the language a little bit? And then it just increased. Yeah. So so rather than making a scene, yes. we just asked the waitress to move us to the other side of the room. Yeah. And you know, I asked kindly. It was it was not met with kind uh, kind response. Yes. So the gentle kind thing for me to do was to get up and and, and land somewhere else in the restaurant. Yeah, you don't want to escalate the situation. Yeah. Uh, the next week, I went to Sarah's family restaurant with my other son. Yeah. And we sat down next to four teenagers that were cussing up a storm. And I leaned over and I said, "Hey guys, I'm sitting here with my son. Could we watch her language?" And they said, "Oh, we're sorry, sir." Awesome. And and they they, I mean I w- I was picturing the same fight that yeah. you know in my head that I had the week before, but they were so gracious and just the gentle words, they didn't cuss anymore. They they were respectful and when they left, they said thanks for thanks for letting us know that he was there. Awesome. So I think there's some importance in responding gently with love. 
Yeah, I agree. If you want to know more about communicating biblically, if you want to talk about what biblical counseling is, if you need some direction and some some guidance, we want to help you. So visit our website at www.biblicalliferecoverycenter.com or find us on Facebook. We're also on the other social media platforms. I think Twitter's now called X or something yes. along that line. So f- find us on X. And um, we're, we're just excited about what God is doing here. And thank you for tuning in to Reflections of the Lighthouse. Next episode is going to be expressing biblical love. And I'm excited about having Dwayne join us again for that episode. 